it's me, Alex, the name mentor, and I am here with the bestest guestest today, Taylor from What's in a Baby Name, the famous TikTok baby namer who's like flitting all around the globe talking about baby names. And I like put a dart in her cape and said, you've got to have a conversation with me. Um, Taylor is such a fun person for me to like riff with about baby names because she has such a kind heart and such an amazing perspective and we see kind of the same things and so I can go to her with a question and we're just kind of able to unpack that um so hi Taylor thanks for being Hello. Us. thank you so much <laughs> for having me um so about a year and a half ago I had been seeing more and more people using quote virtue quote puritan type names or they were distinctly words that meant something and i found that very curious and so i texted taylor and i was like what should we be calling this trend because i don't want to call it puritan names but i don't know what else to call it we kind of um riffed and unpacked that a little bit and so march of 2021 I had put together an Instagram post and I said, are we ready to create our own quote Puritan names? In a nutshell, these names were rooted in aspiration, inspiration, and a call to spirituality. The Puritans did not have the corner on this, even though when you think of this style, you think Puritan. Across many cultures, especially indigenous, there's a symbolic center root that makes one feel connected to something bigger deeply spiritual, and a desire to remember where one has come from. The whole world has just experienced something big. Mortality has been shaken. It's possible this style of naming could make a resurgence, not out of wanting uniqueness, but of valuing significance. We could start seeing this naming ritual born out of this deep place of speaking meaning. And I'm tickled to say that since I posted this, I've been seeing so many more people using these quote Puritan names. It's so exciting to see because it is kind of, it has been such an untapped um, source of inspiration. We haven't really seen these very literal names make a comeback since, well, there was a little bit of this around the turn of, the last century where um, uh, names like Opal and Ruby um, and Jasper were becoming really popular again. So gemstone names were kind of coming back, but like virtue names um, have other than maybe grace and joy, like those have not really been coming back since the Purit puritanical times. So for me, Puritan naming is this like the same period as the pilgrims. So 1600s, 1700s, this massive, like we're coming over here for religious freedom. Um, I mean, there was a little boy named Peregrine on the Mayflower, and I definitely dig that. But then you've got, I'm obsessed with Peregrine. Oh, I, I love it. it so much. There's another baby namer who named one of her sons Peregrine and calls him Pip. <gasps> Oh my God. And I'm here for it a million percent. I She's can't. got the best names ever. Oh, um, that's so cute. That's really but, adorable. So like they had um, 
some <laughs> the Puritan names was Joe Breaked Out of the Ashes. Okay, so this is just one of my favorites. Like, yeah. it's just so, so Puritan. It is. Joe like, Breaked Out of the Ashes. Somebody was literally named that. And I want to know what his nickname was. Wait, was this the one whose brother was, I have this written down somewhere. It's something crazy. Um, yes. Damned, ba- damned Barebone. Thou shalt not be damned or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, humiliation. Abstinence, which I think is horrific. Um, Kilson. Abstinence is, is kind of an ironic name for a baby, just because it like is. baby is born out of the opposite of abstinence. <laughs> like you are literally the product of not abstinence. Yeah, there's some really, really crazy pilgrim names. So um, you yeah, know, there are some of the, the nicer ones, like like praise God and joy and sorrow. But then yeah. there are like the crazy ones, like um, fear God. Fear God was a name. Yeah. So I think the most infamous Puritan name is if Christ had not died for thee, thou hadst been damned. Whole first name. <laughs> That's just wild. That's wild. I um, just hope like his brothers call him damn it or something. Like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's the thing. Like at what point did like damn it become a swear word? And like, were they punished <laughs> if in that time it was a swear word, but that's actually your name? Like, yeah, are you allowed I'm to sure. use swear words as kids if that's your brother's name? Like, what are the rules around that? Yeah. Well, the Puritans were like, bless their hearts, a little bit messed up, you know, like, you yeah. hear about if you were snoozing in church, they'd whack you on the head with a pole or like tickle your nose. But then like they had some other horrifying, it, it was really weird stuff, really weird stuff, like <sighs> definitely zealots. And, yeah. and it was done with this religious, like trying to be holy and perfect and putting this mantle on their children so I think that's why Puritan names kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth because it represents the weirdness but it also represents people believed something and wanted to pass that on to their kids like you had some freaky deaky people naming their kids abstinence but then you had people naming their kids thankful and peregrine And I find that so beautiful. Yes. And, you know, so I, when I had texted you, like, what do we even call this name trend? We got talking to about the indigenous are also super deep into this culture with this name symbolism and like, you mean something, your name means something. And man, it's deep to unpack this. Yeah, because there's such a, um, well, it's so, in the indigenous cultures, it feels so imagery driven. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's tangible, it's observable, it's descriptive. It's something that we can all like look at and see in the world. Um, And yet it, transcends its own description because it seems more like it's reaching out and calling towards something greater. Like it, it, there's a spiritual aspect to these names 
even if they're, you know, a name like, um, I don't know, Eagle Eye, Hawkeye, Tiger Lily, um, Morning Star, right? It's like, these are observable uh, things in our reality, material reality, but they hint at, at, at reaching out and grabbing towards or reaching towards something a little bit um, greater than oneself, something that affects the whole falling water, right? Like it's, it's, um, it's just this, it's, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it feels transcendent and it feels really sacred. Yeah. And I think it, it also lightly touches on honor names, you know, like why do we want to name children after our grandparents? Because it's like, we're not trying to make our kids our grandparents. We're trying to be like, we want you to remember where you're, where you've come from and to not have these people forgotten and these, the goodness of them you want to share with your child. And so I just, I'm really digging these names and I'm really enjoying seeing more and more people tapping into like the never ending inspiration of this. Um, I saw somebody named their son given and a gal I follow on Instagram just named her daughter promise. And I just, I think it's so beautiful Like we're not naming kids chastity anymore, which is probably super great, but (laughs) it's not like if you're naming something chastity or thou shalt be damned or humiliation that, yeah, that is a heavy handle. That's a weight. That's a burden, but naming your child promise is like hopeful. So hopeful. So hopeful. So full of hope. Yeah. And it like hints to this, it's like, I don't know, this almost this covenant, right? And I hate to bring yeah. it back to a religious concept, um, but it is spiritual in nature. This yes. promise, it's like a promise is unfolding. It's like you witness how the promise kind of unfolds as you go along. It's this thing that happens in the future. It's something that you have to uphold. There's so much virtue in a name like promise. Yeah, it feels so sacred and like you're taking this beautiful fam family story or this this sacred story and passing it on and like then they'll pass it on like I don't really know how to completely describe how I feel but you definitely feel like you're touching like the invisible and you're making the intangible tangible. It feels so honest and so sacred and so much bigger than yourself. And to me, that's like definitely the the heart behind parenting, right? Yes. I mean, this is why I always call it the sacred art or the sacred process of baby naming, because like yeah. people don't, I think in our generation or maybe in generations past too, I just think that most people are just moving through their lives and they don't consider the sacredness of choosing a baby name. They're not tuned into the sacredness of their pregnancy necessarily. And I don't mean this for everyone because there are obviously exceptions, but I just mean like 
we live in a pretty fast paced environment where a lot of women are working all the way up until their due date so they can maximize the time that they're going to get off if they get time off at all, because not every mom does in this country. And so that means that some women are working up till their due date and going back to work kind of like within the week that they give birth. And so I think that that doesn't really allow women in our society to drop down into um, the, their physical experience. And they're kind of out of touch with their own pregnancies mm-hmm. and when you're out of touch with your body, that's, that's the sacred vessel that allows you to reach up and have that sacred experience. So if you're out of your body, you're, you're not going to be able to access that, that sacred relationship. This expectation to perform. And I mean, I've never seen name regret so rampant as it is right now. And I think it's for exactly that reason that you just said, like women aren't given the permission to go into that sacred space and I don't think they know how to give it to themselves either it's like okay pick a beautiful name that's perfect that doesn't make anybody upset and go (laughs) it's a lot of pressure that women have I mean parents in general have to pick a baby name um I had a, a friend mention recently something that I just thought was so astute and it's that people are largely um like having so many less children nowadays than they did maybe two or three generations ago that it really, a name really matters now because you might only have one or two children. So like you better make that name count. And there's all of this added pressure simply because you're not spreading out your favorite names over five, six, 12 kids. Like my grandmother was one of 14 children. So my grandma doesn't have a middle name because at that point, my great great grandmother was just like, you're going to be Letitia. Like you're Letitia, (laughs) that's going to be enough for you. That's it for me. (laughs) I've done all I can do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's interesting there. I mean, I think that name regret has to do with, you know, there's so many factors that contribute to um, the pressure that parents feel to choose the right name. You drown Um, in unsolicited opinions. (laughs) That's for sure. And the fear of, of judgment. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much fear of judgment. People are not afraid. This is what baffles me. People really are not afraid to just speak their own unsolicited opinions. (laughs) Totally misinformed. It's the worst. It's the worst. I mean, I've had clients who literally, they come to me because they're like, well, we loved this baby name, but my father hated it and said something very disparaging. And so now we're back to the drawing board. Can you help us find another name? I'm like, "Uh, yes, I can. It's the other, it's the first one. Yeah. My advice to you is to tell your father to shush.com. It literally straight up, straight up. That's the advice. Like, it's just, I mean, yeah, people, it, it really does baffle me to see how um, comfortable people are just ruining people's dreams of the names they love, of using the names they love. Yeah. And I, there people that. like this. What, what gives people the feeling that they, that their opinion should matter or that they should share something so negative with such a hopeful family, like at a time when this should be like a celebration of the life that's coming into the world. 
Yeah. It baffles me. Like, do you not realize that every, like what you're saying has an effect? Like, do you not realize that? Like you might get a couple people who agree with you or laugh with you, but like overall, it's not a cool look. The thing that I see most often, or the, I guess the narrative, the way that it's spun is so often well, I had to say that because I don't want that little boy or that little girl to grow up being teased about their names. But isn't it interesting that it's coming from the adults? The the judgment about names is coming from the adults. Who are the first people to say something about The first people to just say this is a horrible name or to tease the name in some way. Like, I really think that Children, um, children don't come into the world hating other people or knowing how to tease other children or like, or even having the thought that they could make fun of a name. Like, why would that occur to an innocent, beautiful, angelic child, you know, unless they are picking that up from somewhere, unless they hear criticism in, in their homes. Um, and I just feel like, I mean, why, why are adults still talking smack on baby names? It's a weird thing to be so upset and to have like such a hearty opinion about. Beautiful. I were Joe, um, the family and I were in a hotel a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, we're white and we were definitely the minority and we're sitting at breakfast with a bunch of people around us. And Judah, bless his beautiful heart, says loudly, mom, what's the name of that black guy on Star Wars? I like choked on a biscuit. And I was like, you mean Darth Vader? (laughs) So like we have a white mail truck and a brown mail truck. And so the male people are called by the color of the truck that they drive and not by the color of their skin. And, but I think that's beautiful, but just not in front of strangers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it like points to the innocence of his heart. Why would, of course, why would he think otherwise? Darth Vader wears an all black costume. Darth Vader isn't a stormtrooper. You know, like (laughs) there's a difference. Of course it wouldn't, of course it wouldn't occur to him. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it's just, I think it's very, very bizarre when adults who have lived in the world know what it means to be teased, yes. pick names as their lane for like how to, you know, exert power and influence over others. I'm literally so over it. Like, I would just like to get to the place where people just stop sharing their negative opinions about things in general, but then also about names. Like definitely about names. Like, let's just start with names. Let's just let's just yeah. start with names and see if we could maybe go from there. Yeah. Like if you want something to complain about, there's so many things that you could change the world with. Yeah. But like just get off the pulpit. <laughs> like yeah. the world's bigger than you and your comfort zone. Like we're all entitled to our own things. And I think that people stepping out and using these virtue names, these Puritan names is kind of like a beautiful little rebellion 
of coming back to, I'm naming what is close and important to this family and not feeling like you have to name so commercially. Oh my God. Isn't that beautiful? It is. I think that's why I'm so excited about it. I think that that excites me a lot too. I think the thing that I love most about these modern Puritan names, we talked about, um, you know, this kind of, this feeling of spirituality, this of sacredness, of transcendence. And I think that the thing that I love the most is that it, these names transcend time in a way that tangibly connects us to our ancestors. Mm-hmm. And so here's what I mean by that. So whether we're talking about the Puritans or, you know, any, any indigenous culture, but like we see it with, um, you know, Native Americans for sure, or with at least the anglicized version of these Native yes. Americans. Yes. Um, what you can imagine is living in ancient times and whether that's in modern day Japan or North America or Europe or mm-hmm. the Middle East, it doesn't matter which continent you were on in ancient times. If you saw a waterfall, you would come up with a word for falling water. Mm. What are you witnessing when you see a waterfall? Falling water. And so we have names for all of these things, right? So we see a star, a really bright star in the morning. What are we going to call that? Well, some people came up with Venus. Some people came up with like Aphrodite. Some people just said morning star, you know? And so it's like these names, when you just break it down to like, what is it? Morning star. Okay. That is something that, that our ancestors would have been able to understand. They witnessed that phenomenon with their own eye. It's not a phenomenon. They witnessed, they observed that. That was a part of observable reality at every single point in history. And I think that that is what I mean by sacred. There is a thread that carries us through all of time. It is completely timeless. Yeah. And I think that people having a reaction to it here in America is just a, a weird modern reaction. Yeah. Because it's a lot bigger than the last hundred years. It's a lot bigger than the American comfort zone. Like it's bigger than us it's bigger than now and I think that's the whole point of naming your baby something is it transcends all the baloney happening right now oh yes we got a lot of baloney to be transcending right yes, now yes we do <laughs> I've been thinking and, and I've really been thinking about this. baloney that's not a virtue name okay yeah exactly <laughs> I think that I love that you've kind of titled this conversation like modern Puritan names, the value of rebellion. I love this feeling of rebellion. Um, What I feel is that we keep calling it Puritan names. And I think we both kind of like, it's caught in our craw. It's like stuck in our craw as we say it. Like, well, it's not really Puritan, but that's the closest thing we can kind of like reach for in this conversation. But, um, I do think that maybe 
I've been like really struggling with this because there, there are a number of attributes to these names that we could talk about, but also it's like, it hints back to this, you know, in the case of, you know, the Puritans, it was very dogmatic, right? It was very religious. There were like these religious ties to what these names represented. It was always like, Jesus Christ came into the world to save. That was one of the names. Oh like, gosh. you know, these crazy, like, th- what is this, a line from the Bible? Like, this is an yeah. entire Bible verse, like an entire idiom. Um, so... I think that what we are seeing is such a turn away from organized religion. Mm-hmm. You know, like major I deconstruction have, is happening right major now. Major deconstruction. So I wonder how these names are going to take shape if they kind of catch on, you know, now and in the future. And it's like, well, it always kind of revolved around some sort of religious belief. And it's like, well, if you just look at what we are deifying right now, yeah. it feels like, it's like technology, right? Or science, science and tech, that feels like the new God yeah. of our time. And so well, I think- what Elon Musk has named his children. It feels- Precisely. Very precisely. much that way. Right, which I've literally written like blog about this, about how I literally think that Elon Musk's um, baby name is has ripped like a, a hole in the space time continuum. Yes. Truly, because after that baby was born, it was like COVID. Well, the baby was initially born, I think, in May, actually May the fourth, twenty twenty, which I think is no accident. Um, but it was right in the middle, the height of COVID, right? So it's like everything just went to hell in a handbasket afterwards, which might be a great baby name, hell in a handbasket. <laughs> like if we're talking about idioms, you know, yes. like, so I think that that has kind of this interesting take. Guys, so Taylor's not serious about hell in a handbasket, by the way, strike that off the list with baloney. Maybe, maybe I am. Alex, maybe there's some very brave parent out there who's going to name their little son or daughter Hell in a Handbasket. You cannot blame us for your decisions to name your kid Hell in a Handbasket. I think what I want to call this, I've given this a lot of thought and tell me how you feel about this. I'm going to bounce it off of you. Neo-pagan names. Does that feel right? No. So, because pagan, I mean, I'm, I've deconstructed. And pagan, like, is, like, very much the exact opposite of religion. <laughs> like, okay. You know what I mean? So, like, you, I think what I'm trying to say is that we understand these Puritan names, like we've labeled these as Puritan names because they've come out of religion, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than religion or what you believe. It's like the symbolism. So the pagans are using it and the religious are using it and the atheists are using it. You know, like it's truly so much bigger than what we believe as like, it's it's space. It's so much bigger and you know i would even say somebody naming their kid oak 
that is a modern Puritan name because it symbolizes something. Like I'm naming my kid Oak. You think of oak trees. You know what I'm saying? So it's not yeah. just Joe breaked out of the ashes and it's not just summer solstice. Right. Which would I mean? be a beautiful name, by the way. Yes, it would be. Like, do you see what I'm trying to say? I'm like trying to encapsulate that I think that as a culture, we've woken up that things are a lot bigger than what we've been told, hence deconstruction. Yeah. Right. And the world, like Elon Musk naming his kids something that's bigger than our minds rattled stuff. Like right. it just speaks to that, that I think we're wanting to reach out and touch something bigger Yeah. at the same time that it's bringing our families closer to our best. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The reason why I chose pagan is because I feel this rift in society, right? We're kind of, I don't know that we're the first generation because I think our parents were kind of like that hippie generation, um, but and who, who was kind of questioning, you know, like what's our place in society. And yeah. there was like the counterculture movement of the sixties and seventies. And so I, I don't want to say that we're kind of the first generation to be considering this, but I definitely think that there is a rift between like traditional organized religion and our generation. And I think we have a weird relationship with that. Cause we're like, well, most of us are not going to read the Bible and take it literally. And so what, what do we have to hold on to that still relates to something bigger than ourselves? And I think so many of us will, will reach towards um, like new age spirituality. You know, yeah. we're, we're looking for crystals and gurus and shamans and we're doing psychedelics yeah. and we're, we're exploring all of these things to try to yeah. touch still a group of people. That's true. But I feel like we are, we are, we are, we're seekers but we're trying to find a path. And then on that journey, we are looking for, we ultimately want to, to end up in communion with other, other like-minded yes. people. So, so really it will all kind of probably come back inevitably to some sort of organized, it won't be organized religion, like dogmatic religion necessarily, mm -hmm. but you know, I think people ultimately want to end up in some sort of community, but there's this sense of seeking. And I think it's leading us to back to nature, which is why I think of pagan, right? I mean, I understand that we, we might um, conjure a certain image of what a pagan is, but I think if you look at that word more generally, just like someone who finds themselves in like yeah. in a spiritual, like in spiritual communion with nature, well, I've always understood pagan to be, well, you have religion, which is a creator with a spirit, with a spirituality, and then pagan that was nature with a spirituality. So from my understanding was some of these rituals of even like Halloween and you know, you look in Slavic culture, which my family is very Polish, like there's nights where they leave candles out so that the demonic doesn't come. I see. And it's, it's very like, um, 
and I'm not pagan. So if somebody is pagan listening to this, I don't want to totally butcher your beliefs. Right. <laughs> from my I also don't want to appropriate it, some term is, that I'm yeah. like using it for something that it doesn't mean either. But they definitely have their their rituals and their things that they do that is surrounding nature. And then you right. have the other side of religious, like they both are shunning each other. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got the deconstructioners who are in the middle, but I think overall, because I know people on both sides, like literally in my family, they could not be more extremely opposite. And I'm kind of sitting in the middle going, there's something, no matter what you want to call it, there is our energy or the, the ether or God or, or, you know, whatever it is whatever that thing is all wanting to feel connected to that because it makes us all feel connected and like we are striving for something higher yeah. and we're wanting like that quote world peace and and I don't know I just like I'm seeing this and I, I see it manifesting itself in baby names but also you know the world's kind of in a dumpster fire right now yeah, so I see it in baby names, but I also see it as like as a collective, we're wanting to get some baloney taken care of, you know? <laughs> I really hope someone names their kid baloney after all of this. <laughs> all right, so neo-pagan off the list. We're still at modern Puritan, even though it transcends everything. So should we talk about some attributes of the names we're talking about? Yeah. Because I've kind of distilled it down to four things that are they kind of are intertwined, right? Okay. So number one, they are compound words typically. So whether we're talking about actual Puritan names or like anglicized versions of Native American mm -hmm. names. So like a Puritan name might be what? River song. Yeah, I love River Song. So I know much. River Song is so beautiful. I don't actually know if River Song is a Puritan name, but it seems like it could be. It was on my modern Puritan names list. I think that's where you saw it. Okay. I've never seen it before, but well, True Penny. I don't know. There, there's got to be something. Praise God. But they're compound words, right? We're taking yes. two words, we're sticking them together, and we're creating a name out of two mm -hmm. words, right? If you're looking at a Native American name, you might think Brave Eagle or Morning Star or Tiger Lily. Or Laughing Water. Oh, oh Laughing so Water. That's a beautiful one. Longfellow's Falling Water. Hiawatha is exactly what I'm talking about. It's like one of my favorite poems. Like, oh, it's so good. Number two, they are observable. So they're somehow um, descriptive and specific. Number three, they are what I'm calling plain speech. There might be a better word yes. for that, but that's what I've got. So basically this is to say they are not metaphorical. And I think that you had like such a good example of this when we initially talked about it, which is like mm -hmm. names have largely over time been kind of placeholders for their meanings. So they're metaphor, they're metaphors for their meanings, right? So you use the example Benjamin. Benjamin is a beautiful name, but when you say the word Benjamin, it's not like saying Willow. 
which is like, I think of a willow tree. Benjamin, you're not thinking yeah. of anything but specific. But what's fascinating to this is that in the Hebrew language, it literally means son of my right hand. Correct. So it's a placeholder because yes. you would never in conversation be like, okay, hey, son of my right hand, it's time for dinner. <laughs> you know, you're not yelling that out, right? But you don't? <laughs> well, I haven't named any babies yet. My own. So maybe I will name one of my sons, son of my right hand. But my point being is like Benjamin is metaphorical, right? It stands yes. in place of something longer, some longer meaning. It's a placeholder. So you don't have to yell out this, you know, this long phrase. Um, and so to that point, Puritan names, modern Puritan names are plain speech. They speak to whatever it is they are, whatever image or virtue they are trying to conjure. They are universal, right? They're just yeah. plain. They're right there. And then fourth is their imagery focused. So river, river song. They're talking about light. They're talking about stars. They're talking about water. They're talking about hawks or eagles. So I think that those are kind of like, for me, what I would distill the modern Puritan name down into like these four general kind of components. I do wonder if the most creative trend we'll see will be the idiom name. So like a phrase, like a, a, a well-known phrase, mm -hmm. like Still waters run deep. Humphrey. I could see you know, that. Or like, like, I can see that. Like it's a first and middle where people are doing a little bit of a phrase. I can see that. I think I could see that. I don't, I've never seen it done before, but I, that's my prediction that that is where creativity will be unlocked and unleashed. And that perhaps 30 years from now, that's what you'll see as being more common. And I think the start of that is that name experts in quotes or unquotes or whatever, italicized, asterisked. Um, oh, who, us? Yeah, I'm not talking about us. <laughs> um, need to stop being so a hundred year American culture in their answers. Stop saying oh, well, but that name sounds like a phrase. Yeah, it does. And that's what makes it beautiful. Like, it, they're very linear in what they deem as acceptable as American names when the world is vast and history is vast and the future is vast. Mm -hmm. Like, we've got to stop correcting people about trying to put them into commercial mm -hmm. store shelves. Like, oh, let names live and grow. And I have a few of you name experts in mind. So if you wouldn't mind, just shoot me an email saying, is this me? So I can be like, yes. yes. Stop <laughs> doing it. Stop, Stop doing, doing that. I mean, you look at Kim Kardashian's names. They're words, but they're not really words. It really is symbolism. You've got Saint and North and Chicago. And I forget the other one. I don't know. Um, but then you have True and... like. Uh, I think it's so beautiful. It's so deep. And these concepts, name, names in general and occupations and lifestyles are all relative to your comfort zone. Yeah. So the Kardashian Hollywood scene, 
that's their version of virtue names. But then you have the religious over here who are using names like promise and using names like given. And then you've got the pagans that are using solstice and you've got the middle that's using oak. You know what I mean? Like it's getting painted everywhere. Like how people are interpreting it within their, their own say. I I find it fascinating. Like, yeah, of course there are people who aren't going to want to name their kids North or true. And that's okay. Cause that's your, you know, your deal, but that's their deal over here. Like let people live. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm here. I am saying like, you know, I think idioms are going to be the next thing. Kim Kardashian started that. I think that these phrase names are going to become more popular. And I think truthfully, we're going to have to look back at Kim Kardashian and say, you kind of did do that first. Yeah. It's just so exciting. And I geek out as a namer because like, it's just so exciting. We're in such an exciting time and I'm just here for it. We're in such an exciting time because people are so willing to be so bold now. By the way, I'm pretty sure yesterday at the playground, I heard somebody call their kid irony. And I was like, I'm sorry, but Alanis Morissette would even be like, tone that down. (laughs) I was once, no, I was once in line for a ride at Disneyland and the little girl standing behind me had the Mickey Mouse ear Mm -hmm. hat where they like embroider the name on the hat and her name was Felony. And I just thought, you named your daughter Felony. You named your daughter Felony. Felony. That stuff bothers me. It's a controversial name. It's a controversial name. It's hard. hard. It's hard to hear it. And you just feel like, oh, there's like, oh, it's a little cringy when you hear that. Irony. It's a tough Mm -hmm. one. I just, I wouldn't want it to be my name. And that's how, and and I wouldn't want to marry somebody with that name. And that's kind of how I gauge it. But a couple of years ago, somebody asked me about the name embroidery. And I was like, I see where you're coming from, but I just I feel like it's too much. I would not want my name to be embroidered. As someone whose name to be embroidered, as as someone whose name is Taylor, I feel like that's a very similar theme. But like, if you want your kid's name to be embroidery, choose Taylor. It's a similar. It's like a similar name in terms of like they both have to do with stitching. But she just loved the whole sound of it and the whole vibe. And it's like, I totally understand that. But but it's just too much. It's, on the, it's too just, on the nose. It's maybe a little too on the nose. Yeah, it's like, for the same reason, I wouldn't suggest cross-stitch. Cross, <laughs> possibly. But you know what I mean? It's like, that's too much of, like, of, of a refrigerator word. Like, it's not inspirational. It's like very mechanical utility. I love you know? that. That's, <laughs> that's such a good point. Yeah, I hear you. There does have to have a dignity with naming. Yeah. Like, you are naming a person. 
And there does have to, when you're compiling all the different ingredients of what makes a good name, dignity has got to be a pretty big scoop. Oh, I love that. Dignity has to be a big scoop. Yes. Uh, thank you guys for um, listening. And as we unpack Puritan names, like and subscribe and leave reviews and comment. That always helps. And definitely be sure to check out Taylor on TikTok as the baby name doula and on Instagram as what's in a baby name. Because if you're not, you're missing out. I'll talk to you later. Thank you.